Welcome back to the show. Today we have Cindy Burdett with us. She is the CEO and founder of allcare.io. This is a healthcare and benefits provider for, amongst others, the outsourcing industry. They specialize in people that aren't properly or formally employed. Uh, and that is a lot of people, and they get them the essential health insurance that is so, so important in the Philippines. So I got Cindy on the show to discuss what benefits can be expected for offshore workers and how employers can access these benefits and give their staff these benefits, even if they're not properly employing their staff. So even if they're freelancers or VAs uh, and they're working on a contract basis, you can still provide the important benefits that is so kind of almost expected and normal here within the Philippines. And it's it can be a tough situation if people do not have that health cover. So it was a great conversation with Cindy, and I really did learn a lot about the options for healthcare, health coverage, and the general benefits that most other employees would see as normal. If you want any of the show notes, as always, go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash podcast. Enjoy. This podcast is brought to you by Outsource Accelerator. We are the world's leading outsourcing marketplace and advisory. We help big and small businesses with their outsourcing needs, and we can help you too. We cover everything from business and staffing strategy, optimal outsourcing structures, implementations, and fully managed services. If you're already outsourcing, about to start, or somewhere in between, then we can ensure that you get the best from outsourcing. That's the best prices, best terms, and of course, the best results from your outsourcing practices. We list over 700 outsourcing suppliers on our website, host this leading outsourcing podcast, and have over 5,000 pages of content. Because we span the entire market, we can ensure that you get the best deal possible. We offer everything from light brokerage, co-managed services, through to fully managed solutions. Get in touch today. Visit us at outsourceaccelerator.com slash quote. Mention that you're a podcast listener and we will give you special attention plus a 10% discount. This is for a limited time only. Go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash quote. Cindy, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Derek. Pleasure. So, Cindy, I want to talk about AllCare.io and I'm sure you can introduce this far better than I, but from what I understand, it is dealing with employee benefits and employee health care for people that aren't necessarily uh, formally employed, which a lot of people in the outsourcing industry fall into, especially well, predominantly in the VA and freelancer bucket. So it's great to have you on the show. And can you tell us a little bit about all care? Yeah, sure. Um, so great introduction. Um, I think you hit it on the head. Uh, all care really exists to serve those that are not formally uh, employed or at least don't fall within the category of desirable clients from provider standpoint. Um, these are typically uh, informal uh, employees, you know, gig workers, VAs, freelancers, as you've mentioned, but at the same time, uh, micro and small enterprises or even organizations. And uh, typically, 
when you start your business, you don't have 20 employees, right? You have one, two, or just yourself, for example, and you leverage on your skills. But at the same time, you want to have the reliability of benefits that you had at one point when you were an employee. And so All Care exists to serve that gap um, by, by joining our membership group, our membership platform. You pay one fee and all the benefits are given to you as exactly that, a benefit that when you need it, it's available, it's easy to use. Um, it's all automated on, a, you know, on an app. And so whoever you are, whatever work you are in, uh, you would have these benefits ready. And so, you know, we represent outsource. We talk about outsourcing and a lot of the industry is properly employed people by properly compliant organizations based here in the Philippines. Uh, and that, you know, forms the backbone of the outsourcing industry. However, there's estimates are that there's about three and a half million people in the Philippines that are working in the gig economy, that are working, that are online workers, that are VAs, and they fall into this kind of gray area where they're not formally employed. And also the employer, in inverted commas, maybe wants to do well by them, but then because there's only one of them and they don't check all the tick boxes, they don't have access to to the healthcare that they want and, and the and the other sort of expected benefits. Is that right, right, right. So actually we have a number of scenarios where we've seen this happen and you're right. In some cases there's a client abroad and, you know, they would have maybe one or two uh, VAs, for example, that work for them. And often when they find out that these guys don't have uh, any proper healthcare, you know, unlike first world countries, right? Um, this is something that they want to look into. However, when they find out that there are certain restrictions as to availing, for example, healthcare. Um, that intent usually goes down the drain, right? Because they just can't access it. Um, but with all care, we're an option for them, right? If they do really want to give these VAs access to healthcare, life insurance, and all the other cool perks that you get as an employee, you can subscribe them into all care. The other thing that we usually see is when you start to form an agency, and this is something I'm sure you're very familiar with, right? You get a client from abroad, they outsource maybe voice, maybe back office work or whatever it is. And the common trend now is that these people are paid on a per project basis or on an hourly rate, right? You don't even need to employ them and they can be contractors with you um, as you build your agency. And this is also something that agency owners want to provide their partners and their contractors. But again, the current design by which they can avail of healthcare and life insurance, et cetera, need to be under an employer-employee relationship. Or if it's a, through an individual program, it is absolutely expensive. It doesn't make sense economically for the business. And so by working with all care, all of that uh, is solved. And again, because we work with data and we work with uh, automation, right? All the concerns that our provider partners have with working with smaller groups are mediated and we're left to solve that for them. And it seems, you know, this is becoming a, a it's kind of a growing problem or maybe a booming problem, but it's a good problem because there's so many Filipinos finding work internationally and globally. And the government, I think they're not sure what to do with it because they don't kind of want to stifle this this thing that's happening, you know, and it's giving a lot of millions of people 
great work and they're servicing you know global businesses so it's it's kind of a good thing but a lot of these people aren't on the radar they're not paying taxes they're not properly employed and they're not getting their their benefits you know so then ultimately it is uh, they're not protected and so it's it, it's a bit of a conundrum i think for the government but i think on balance they're generally supportive of the industry because of course it's it's providing much needed income and prosperity and especially out into the provinces and the parts of the Philippines that need, need this sort of economic activity. So have you, you know, do you have any insights into what the, the powers that be, what the government, what officials think of this kind of gray economy? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, um, you know, you're absolutely correct. It is a looming problem, but I think the government, to some extent, has done its has done its job to support this this uh, growing segment, right? Um, what I do think is the concern, though, is that there's lack of information dissemination, right? So, if you live in Manila, you probably know you can register as a professional, you know, pay your taxes as a professional, which is far less. Um, and you know, there are many advantages to that. It goes into your income tax return, proof of income, so many benefits, and you can work with a lot of other bigger clients. Uh, that see you do pay your taxes, etc. However, that sort of concentration on information is is right here, just in Manila. But the beauty, and as you said, the beauty of the internet is that you know Filipino VAs and professionals, and even small businesses, small agencies, there's no restriction to the kind of clients they can acquire or where the clients would come from, right? And um, this is something. Uh, we try, you know, it's not directly our product or service, but it's a, it's a part of our vision and mission to help them get established. Uh, so, you know, for example, um, we would host just this coming weekend, we have a program where we're hosting a, a uh, professional on team psychology and culture for small agencies that aren't focusing on culture as an element of their company, right? But we want to help them professionalize, for example, that's one thing. Or we would work with a tax provider and help them understand what are their options in terms of tax recording uh, and tax payments. Um, and so it's really just a matter of helping them get the right information and at the same time assisting them every step of the way. Again, these a lot of these agencies have once been employees, right? And so as employees, they're not naturally um, familiar with entrepreneur stuff, you know, like SEC and all the other legalities that we need to move around in. Um, but having, for example, all care right there, knowing the market the way we do, this is something that we work very closely with the government and with other providers and partners to make sure we do our part in, in educating them, supporting them. And that's why I, I hate to scratch our own back, but we're, we're quite popular in the, in the VA space because we would have uh, VA you know, agency owners come to us and say, oh, can't believe that this is how cheap it is. And we got all of these benefits. Could you send an email to my friend who also owns an agency, right? Um, we were like, sure. And uh, and so this is, and we have clients who are agencies all over the country. I, I'm surprised that as far as, for example, Angeles or Pampanga, for example, the province of Pampanga, or all the way down south in Bohol, Iloilo, there are agencies that have clients abroad, and you can see that even their clients are the one paying for their all-care membership. So it's a very interesting, very, I guess the problem 
too, is that it's fragmented, right? There's no one way to conduct your operations, depending on what your expertise are, kinds of clients you acquire. Um, and the government is not yet as familiar as opposed to, you know, like you said, um, the big players here in Manila, for example, they're absolutely compliant. They're massive. They're in multinationals, right? Um, but the smaller agencies, they're very agile. So, so that becomes a part of the conundrum. Yeah, it's it's and it's a problem, isn't it? Because the government is too bureaucratic, you know, and it's too complex. And especially as, as you said, the freelancers in the provinces they don't have a lot of access to government departments and information and. It is really, really hard to navigate the bureaucracy of the Philippine, whatever, uh, departments and government and being compliant with everything. And unfortunately, then, people are just sort of paralyzed into a, well, this is way too complicated. And the, the staff are saying that or the contractors and the employers are also saying that, you know, they, they want to ideally pay a bit of tax and they want to pay benefits and they want to do all these things, but just the complexity, just kind of people lose the the capacity to do it. So it's, it's incredible, you know, and this is not unusual in the world, but the private sector then comes in and it innovates around the existing sort of infrastructure and it kind of fills in all of those gaps, doesn't it? Which is like obviously what all care is doing. And, you know, you see kind of pay- payment platforms and uh, Upwork and, you know, all these sort of private sector innovations that get work to people and enable payments and enable benefits and stuff like that. So it, it kind of trickles down eventually, doesn't it? Yeah, 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 you're right. Um and I like what you said about the the the, the country, the, the government has no choice but to be bureaucratic because it really is trying to control quite a massive quote unquote organization, right? Um, but at the same time, the these freelancers they're not bound in, in the same way, right? So um, there really is a need to create some sort of structure. I don't know if it's in the form of a body because if you look at it until now, I don't think there's a singular organization or even one that comes to mind of any size that represents freelancers effectively, right? Whether it's in Senate hearings, congressional hearings, or even just rallying for what what needs to be done. And so while that doesn't exist yet, and we don't think that we are the ones to do that professionally, but it's part of our mission is to be that right to to bring together what we know is available in terms of information and structure infrastructure and at the same time um you know connecting to the market that we serve so well so so yeah so yeah it's it's a little bit of a difficult market to represent because effectively the market is it's non-compliant you know and people aren't paying taxes so it's really difficult for that market to stand up and have a voice because the first thing you know, anyone's going to say is, you know, you, you've got to, you've got to become compliant. You've got to back pay all your all of your taxes. So it puts them in a difficult predicament, doesn't it? In that, you know, it just kind of carries on. It bubbles away in the grey economy, uh, and you know, luckily, it is growing. Like it, it's doing incredibly well. And I know anecdotally that people in the government, there are supporters in the government in in you know, DICT and and the next wave cities that are really sort of celebrating the fact that the sort of economic activity is going out into the province. But as you say, there are no 
associations. There's no proper representation. And, and in part because, you know, people are a little bit scared, I imagine, to, to poke their head up because it means paying taxes and, and things like that. So, um, but eventually, and this, this is this is the reality for the world, I think, in that people are now becoming more gig workers. You know, you can pay people using Bitcoin and off the grid. So the kind of the systems, yeah. the governments, the taxation, the how you register as a company or a working individual really needs to modernize uh, to to the modern times. I'm not sure how it's going to do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, you, you said it right. Um, it's growing. It's fast growing. I don't think there's any stopping it. In fact, the pandemic has only furthered uh, the the movement, right? Because it showed that it, you don't have to be physically anywhere to be able to deliver great work and the internet can uh, facilitate anything and everything. If you need clients to, to service clients abroad, locally, whatever, as long as you have a computer and an internet connection, you're good, right? And so you're right, the government, and not just the government, the private sector, everybody needs to work together to come up with solutions to those gaps. I mean, I wouldn't really consider them problems right now because even other countries don't have solutions for them yet. But yeah, when somebody earns Bitcoin, for example, for doing work for somebody in the United States, um, how do you measure that, right? How do you track that? Um, How do you track the taxes that need to be paid there even if they were registered, right? Um, Because it's so volatile. The thing is, nobody knows, right? So, and and for me as an entrepreneur, that's the fun part. That's the, what we're trying to do with all care. Anything that's creative and innovative in the space of benefits, let's get into it. Like uh, just the other day, we were talking to riding platforms, and we told them, "Look, why aren't you giving benefits to riders if they're not employees? That's not that shouldn't be the case anymore. Anytime you work for anybody, there needs to be some level of benefits." Uh, and the freelancers know that, the agencies, the VAs know that. Um, and so it's interesting because the the bigger the gig economy gets, the more pronounced everything will be, right? The issue on taxes. Um, and I don't think they don't want to pay taxes. It's just that there's no proper, I guess, I, I, like for me, I, I don't don't want to pay taxes, right? Because for me, it reflects my obligation as a citizen, right? Um, and these guys, I think, want to pay taxes. It's just that there's lack of process, lack of information. Um, and so you see companies, like there are some companies emerging emerging now where they offer tax services mm. like Taxumo, right? Um, they're also growing because they cater to that segment where you're a freelancer and you do want to pay taxes, but you absolutely have no idea because you're a graphic designer. Um, and so here, how do you pay taxes for foreign uh, income, et cetera? And so as you're right. It's the job of both the private sector and the government. But I would go further and say everybody needs to work together, right? So it's just, it's that platform where I'm trying to think, how do we do that? Like, as a startup, we have exactly DITC, um, DOST, you know, DTI, all these startup functions. But it's just us. Right. Where do we and I love working with IDPAP. I've been working with them for some time now, even when I was still with Storm. Um, and we need something like that. We need something uh, that would represent the entire uh, fragmented market, even though it's difficult in some form of or manner. Yeah, it is. It is yeah. interesting. And I, I'm 
not in any way criticizing the government because they are actually doing good work in trying to simplify processes. They're, they're, they're doing a mm. lot. They've mm. just passed the CREATE bill, which is kind of simplifying the tax structure and reducing taxes and already sort of mm. the lower earning people of society really pay very, very low taxes already. So there's a lot of positive progress from the government. And as you said, I think they're just doing their best to keep up with something that is moving incredibly fast and no government anywhere in the world mm-hmm. is able to really regulate and, and keep up with how technology is, is changing the, the economic environment. It's, uh, it's crazier. Right. So I, I want to ask about, you know, the, the growth that you have seen, but I assume, you know, you're, you're kind of a fast growing early stage company, so you're going to see a lot of growth. But can you, mm-hmm. I suppose, introduce what, what is the journey? How did you start All Care? What got you into this mission? Sure, sure. So um, prior to, to founding All Care, actually, I was part of a bigger company. It was also a startup then, but it was a much larger startup called Storm. And Storm was also in the benefits space, um, but uh, the model of Storm was different. We worked with large companies, and then that's how I got to meet a lot of the IDPAC guys um, because they had so many benefits that were being underutilized. Through Storm, you could convert them into marketplace credits and so repurpose them for something that's more relevant to you. So, um, you know, for example, if you had a, a clothing allowance for uniform, but you didn't have to wear a uniform, instead of returning the benefit as savings, you can let the employee convert that, right? So that was the model for Storm. And when we were planning for growth, one of the things we decided to approach was um, the gig market, right? Because we thought, hey, you know, the future of work would be the gig economy, um, especially with the development of the internet and all these platforms surrounding the internet. And uh, one of the things that came out through our, our customer research is that there is nothing to convert for these small businesses and these freelancers because they don't have any benefits at all. 98% of the people we surveyed had no benefit whatsoever. The 2% had some form, but if you look at the benefits that they had, which typically a prepaid HMO, it sucked. So we, we internally we say, okay, I don't think Storm's going to work, right? The model for what we've built here for Storm isn't going to work. And so we created a separate company that focused on aggregating benefits, providing benefits. It's sort of like a step one to the step two of Storm. You know, like Storm is converting benefits you're not using, but step one is basic, getting benefits that are relevant and important to have as an employee. And so we spun, so we formed a small team within Storm and then spun it off of its own company in 2018. And uh, towards the end of 2018, we finished building our product, uh, our MVP, and we went to market. Wow, so is All Care spun out of Storm, yeah? Oh, wow, cool. And is is it still part of the Zerpus? Because obviously I know know Nick's Nolito, which which sort of led Zerpus and acquired Storm. But I didn't realize All Care was was spun Mm -hmm. out of Storm. Yeah, yeah. So we trace our roots. Um, Nick's is an active mentor of mine. We speak a lot on how to find inflection points. The founders, so technically All Care, you could sort of say that co-founded by the founders of Storm, right? So it was Nick's, myself, Peter, and Paolo who all worked on the earlier versions of All Care. 
Um, but obviously, they've given me the reins to really take it to Got where it. it is now. Um, yeah, and so in 2019, when we launched, um, it was a tough year because when we launched, our mindset was, okay, gig economy, freelancers, right? And we were hit with a wall because people want benefits, but they weren't mm-hmm. ready to pay for benefits because the thing was, they their previous experience of it was they didn't pay for it, right? As an employee, they got it, quote unquote, for free. And so we had to spend a lot of time educating them why it was important, what were the scenarios at which they would need it, and then introducing different types of payment programs so that they can really try it, you know, um, lowering the, the barrier for trial. And towards the end of 2019, we said, you know what, while we're doing this, why don't we go after SMEs, uh, startups, and uh, legal organizations that are not uh, enterprise or not for profit. So these are your cooperatives, for example, you know, organizations. You know, just thinking that they too need benefits. You know, the staff there. You know, if you're a startup founder with three employees, you still can't get uh, a healthcare program from the leading providers. Mm. You know, because just three of you. Uh, and so that pivot, I wouldn't say it's a pivot. That that strategy of adding a different layer to the business was absolutely effective. So right now we have we serve about 200 companies. In the in the platform and over three thousand members, uh, and members that you know are part of the all care membership program, um, we're we're thinking that um, and this is interesting because even through the pandemic we experienced ten uh, x growth right from twenty nineteen to twenty twenty, um, which is why we got to win uh, SME of the year from Asia CEO awards because like through a pandemic SMEs are you know, suffering, and yet here's another SME, helping SMEs thriving. And so uh, that was quite a story for 2020. Um, and so 2021, we're forecasting that as the pandemic uh, gets, you know, bit by bit solved, the government getting better at really managing uh, the virus and the entire economic uh, uh, struggles that, that go with it, right? Um, we're also going to see quite a a rapid growth within our membership base. So we're looking to close the year between eight to 10,000 members. But as you said, it's only a drop in the bucket. There are at least 2.5 million gig workers uh, of many kinds in the Philippines. And that doesn't even include, you know, people like your house health, you know, all of these informal workers as well. And so we have a work cut out for us, but it's an exciting, it's an exciting journey. Yeah, it's fascinating. There's, there's so much to unpack there. But what do you see the appetite for people paying? Because the, and I suppose this is kind of financial education, isn't it? You know, if, if even if they're not paying, someone's paying. So it's coming from somewhere, you know, and do you, you find, you know, you, you've seen friction in actually getting freelancers or people to actually pay for their own insurance? From a from a quick calculation, it seems like it's around about sort of five percent of the the person's salary for you know for full benefits cover. Would would you say that you know people, if given the choice, they would take the five percent extra cash and not have benefits cover, or you know would they say, okay, I will forego that for the cover? Where do you see people's kind of uh, need of security is with these things? Right, great question. Um, that is why the 2019 year was 
what was difficult, but I wouldn't say useless, right? Because a lot of the, the months through that, that year was spent on educating. And um, the pandemic, mm-hmm. I hate to say that it's uh, is helpful, right? But because of the pandemic, people's consciousness about being insured, number one, or having the protection and something to lean on in terms of, you know, rainy days, help deliver the, the urgency with us. So our, our, our main uh, objective now is to work with financial partners to make sure that whatever, whatever is uh, feasible is what we can, you know, what we can offer to the market. So for example, currently our plan is around 15000 a year, right? If you look at it from uh, the 300 US dollars isn't much for what you get. But at the same time, you're correct. That's maybe 5 to 6% of what a typical freelancer or gig worker would make. But if you broke that down to weekly, maybe you know it's a little bit more easier on the pocket, for example. Um, and we've also come, uh, come up with uh, versions of the package that is a little bit cheaper, taking out some of the uh, non-essentials, you know, and then giving it as your core benefits. And then you have like your full complete benefit. So depending on where you're at in your journey, there's always going to be an all care a plan for you. Um, but if you really ask the freelancers and all of these guys, um, they just need uh, help in terms of payment options. And that's why last year when we did an experiment with a Singaporean partner for installment mm. plans where they can pay every two weeks and every month, uh, that, that proved helpful. Like so many people signed up because it was easier, right? 1000 a month was something they could, they could manage um, as opposed to, you know, shelling out the entire 15K at one time because you're right, they will always choose cash uh, over, you know, buying something pre-need. But at the end of the day, like now with the COVID, everybody's saying, oh, sure, I wish I bought you know, COVID protection, for example, or I wish I bought insurance for critical care because now my dad's in the ICU or whatever. Um, so yeah, so we our job's pretty clear. That's the that's the good part, right? The hard part is cracking the execution. I mean, ideas are a dime a dozen, so it's execution that's going to really define whether we can penetrate the market effectively or, or not. And what do you see as the main roadblocks to that execution? Because it really is. You know, benefits, are, they're great to have, but I suppose for people that don't really have enough money and are living kind of hand-to-mouth or, or you know, really struggling to pay the bills, it, it is that, isn't it? It's, it's kind of a perk. It's a benefit, and, and those things go out the window as, as soon as there's any crunch. But yeah. uh, it's, it's just so essential. And, you know, it benefits the entire community, doesn't it? It benefits the country once everyone is insured you know and once everyone has good health care yeah, so yeah. there's there's a lot of benefits to everyone being being covered yeah and you're right that i mean one of the things we always think about in our team is we look at high uh Maslow's hierarchy of needs right and people who are hungry mm-hmm. aren't going to talk about security because man they're hungry right so um when we do pro- when we do develop products and we do develop processes, those are the things that we consider. Right? Are we taking what is already uh, essential to them? For example, for food, right? If we're trying to target like the lowest of the low when it comes to gig workers, we're not going to offer them the full 15k per year plan, 
right? We're probably going to get them started with an introductory program. Um, in fact, that's one of the things we want to do with all the uh, riders, you know, that are exposing their bodies every day on the street, delivering our needs, and yet, no, you know, no one's looking out for them. So this is something that we're seriously wanting to solve. We're very near um, in our talks with all of these platforms and trying to get the concept of benefits introduced to these people um, and then just maybe hoping that later on they'll understand the importance of these things and maybe want to invest, right? But somebody has to take that that risk on these people. And for all care, as a startup, we're, we were created for that, right? We are designed to innovate, designed to disrupt. And so, as you said, you know, people in that level, they need to figure out those essentials first. And the question for us, how do we support them while, while they're there at that stage so that we can slowly help them come to a point where they can afford Yeah, and I suppose it's worth, worth mentioning as well. From my perspective, I see the, the freelancers, the VAs, they're pretty, they're relatively affluent. Like they can be in the province earning big bucks, you know, kind of 500 to to $1,000 per month. And that is actually huge money out in the economy. But I suppose you see the whole spectrum of this gig economy. And, you know, to some degree, the worst offenders or the worst victims are the the kind of the grab, the delivery drivers and all that. And it, it's a it's an absolute reflection of the U.S. as well, isn't it? You know, you, you're seeing the same thing play out in the U.S. where Uber and all those, the gig worker delivery apps, uh, they're, they're trying to say that, you know, they're not employees and so therefore we don't have any obligation in terms of their benefits. But it's, it's all going to wash out, isn't it? Because ultimately someone needs to kind of stand up and say, look, you know, they're representing the company and, and there's obligation towards them, regardless of whatever this sort of legacy uh, or, or sort of strict definition of employment is. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's hilarious. And not just the platforms, even the very shrewd entrepreneurs, you know, who would have 30, 40 motorcycles um, rented out to uh, riders and then, you know, paying same. I don't know if you, you're familiar with how the jeepney works, right? You pay a daily uh, cover charge sort of for the jeepney owner so you can run the jeepney, operate it, and then, you know, make whatever on top right. of that of the charges. And there's so many who are doing that. And then you ask them, okay, how do you make sure like your riders protected or your drivers protected? And they say the exact same thing. And so for us, it has to really be grassroots. I mean, people have seen the people we've met and told them this plan have thought we were crazy. But this is the same thing as taking risks on freelancers and VAs who initially didn't have any choice, right? We went out, used data. Got, got the data, used the data with the providers, committed uh, a design and a go-to-market strategy for them to agree, met those targets, and now growing those uh, numbers uh, radically. And now we go deeper into the spectrum, right? As you said, um, the people up in the spectrum, the more professional, white-collar kind of gig workers and freelancers, no problem. They understand it. As soon as they discover all care, it's almost a no-brainer. But for the lower end of the spectrum, that's the problem that we really want to focus on. And so we're looking forward to solving that at a grassroots level and just seeing how the government can, you know, can step in as well. As you said, somebody has to stand up, will take a step and help. 
but I mean, somebody else has to take uh, take uh, note of that, you know. So, uh, so yeah, I don't want to put the government in any, uh, you know, in any note or spotlight, but it is what it is, right? Um, hoping that you know these big platforms would put be put on notice. Yeah, also. and I'm sure you know everything seems to follow international trends, and it, it seems like the spotlight is put on this now these these companies have billions of dollars so it's essential that they kind of they play the game in terms of looking after the people that facilitate their business you know but to yeah, zoom, yeah, zoom right. back out a little bit and, and to go back into the outsourcing industry and you know i am generally a proponent of i don't want to sound like an old fuddy-duddy but doing everything properly like properly employing your people, giving them all the benefits mm. and mm. setting up a proper, scalable, reliable structure. You know, and that suits mm. it should suit every small and medium sized enterprise. Just do it properly, give people the proper mm. employment, the compliance, uh, and all the benefits. And and the easiest way to do that is through an outsourcing partner. Uh, but it is it is great that there are alternatives, you know, and obviously there's a huge demand for virtual assistants and people that are being that people that are just contract only. So I'm not here to say what's right or wrong, but it's great to see that there are now easy turnkey options so that so that people can get their benefits and get their healthcare and get their cover. I suppose, you know, in the sort of outsourcing context, in the VA context, can you just outline what a sort of standard benefit would be for a Filipino working? What what should they kind of come to expect from what would normally be statutory benefits? Okay, great question. Um, so number one, uh, you need to want to have healthcare, right? So in the Philippines, the most popular form of that would be HMO, where you pay a certain amount and, and you know, through the HMO, you hope you'll never have to use it. Um, you use the coverage. Um, and so large corporations do this for their employees. Um, so that's one HMO. There are some companies that also offer medical reimbursement, um, you know, insurance through medical reimbursement. That's a little bit harder and unpopular because you need to be liquid, right, when, when something happens. Um, so HMO is really the default. And then you next would typically have life insurance, term life. So it's covered, you are covered for the duration of your employment. Um, where if something happened to you where you died accidentally, your beneficiary could get something. Um, uh, even this one is a complicated issue because the nature of work also becomes a point of contention, right? So if you're doctor, nurses in this pandemic, you're probably not going to get either HMO or life insurance. It's so, it's it's crazy. Anyway, huh. and so and then after that, uh, you know, it depends from, from company to company what, other benefits they would have uh, for for some companies they would cover optical for all care we cover optical we also do mental um, and so there's a number of sessions and different kind of um, examinations that you can take online to survey mental inclination so whether you're inclined to be uh, clinically diagnosed etc it's all on on touch of a button this is something that's gaining popularity across big companies as well especially with the stresses of work from home where you really don't have a delineation between home or work, right? So this is something big companies are already starting to offer. Um, but we go beyond that. Um, and for all care, our members also get a birthday perk. So on the day of their birthday, they get a free cake um, delivered to them uh, or they can pick it up from the store. 
and then we have free gifts like uh, we would usually do a discounts on some special engagement. Like maybe if you want uh, antigen tests for your family, we have this new partner, it's discounted, all of these things that make. So the goal for us is really if you're healthy, right, and you're happily you know, using your memberships, there's still something for you to use that's not your HMO. Because in the typical employment scenario, it's really just the HMO that you get. And so we, we really make it uh, sort of like value for money. But this is something that employees should demand. And I like what you said about, you know, going full on compliant, structured, um, doing it right the first time, right? And so for, for, you know, whoever's listening to the podcast, who's thinking about starting a business or already is starting a business, this is something that you should already budget for benefits. Whether you get it from all or not is a different topic. But just providing what is necessary and, like you said, expected has to be the Yeah, it's showing... It's just showing really. It's showing that you value your your staff, isn't it? You know, and and it's not a lot of money. And I want to talk yeah. about that soon. But do you find you know out of in the outsourcing sector, VA sector, freelancer, do you find that it, the majority of the people paying are the is the freelancer or is it the, the client basically paying on behalf? So. Um Hard to say, but let me try and generalize it. I think if you are an individual outsourced partner, right, for maybe a small uh, small SME in the United States, for example, and you're handling their Amazon account, for example, um, most likely the client will pay for it. Um, but what we've seen with the agencies, though, is they've sort of come up with a program where if you work with their VAs or their, their team, it's, all, it's already tacked in into the price of working with them where they can provide these kinds of insurances or benefits to their people. And so I think that's smart because it should be, you know, in, in say with a large company here in the Philippines, that's already the case, right? Your staff cost um, is part of your cost of service, your cost of goods, right? And so whatever you sell your product at whatever price, it already assumes a part of it goes to keeping your staff happy and healthy. And so that's that's how that's how you can draw it up. You know, single individual outsourced folks would can get the client to pay for it, especially when they're when they've been working for some time. Um, and then there are agencies that have the client pay for it. Oh, sorry, that they pay for it back yeah. on through their. Yeah, and you know, I suppose even in the US, it, it I didn't really realize that healthcare isn't kind of assumed. You know, not everyone gets healthcare in the US, and. I, I, you know, you you're in, yeah, you must be yeah. kind of freaking out in the U.S. if you don't have healthcare because I think if you go and see a doctor, it's it's you know hundreds of dollars. But uh, I suppose it's crazy. It's 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 crazy. I mean, but the good thing about uh, the United States, at least the population, they're a little more aware that they need insurance because if they don't, the doctor bills, the hospital bills, the clinic bills, they're all going to pile up and it's going to, you know, bankrupt you. And so it's almost a prerogative for them to get insurance. It's just a matter of can they afford it or not. And that's why if you tune in to a U.S. cable, it's one commercial after another telling you how to save on your insurance, right? Um, But here in the Philippines, we're not even there yet. We're not even there where we can say, you must have this. We're, We're not there yet. Um, again, as you correctly pointed out, there's still a large uh, segment of the population where food is a problem. 
basic uh, basic necessities are barely covered. And so insurance is, you know, lasting. Yeah, so we can only really hope that, you know, employers overseas that have the means just see this as, you know, not even as a benefit, but just as kind of a baseline expectation for, for having happy, healthy staff, it, it seems. Yeah. yeah but this, this is a great, I think this is a great avenue, right? I'm sure... Uh, your listeners uh, make a, p- a portion of it is made up of you know people from overseas who want to outsource. So this is this is absolutely great. You know, you wanting to learn more about this particular segment and how we help them, and you know, shining that light on this sort of gray gray market, but unbelievably fast growing, and you know, it's going to be unstoppable sooner. Yeah, it's huge. You know, and actually, I think the the brand of Philippine staffing. Is, is just becoming enormous across the world. You know, when people talk of outsourcing now, they don't say oh, outsourcing or, you know, they might say VAs, but as common, they would say Philippine staffing. You know, they're not saying Russian staffing or, or Thai or Vietnamese. Everyone is referring to Philippine staffing, which is pretty pretty valuable. You know, it's, it's an incredible industry that's growing. Right. And then not wanting it to be a plug, but what, like, what is the pricing? How much does it cost to, to get people the benefits? Cool. Um, yeah. So without plugging, you know, our one of our lowest plan starts at about uh, five nine 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 pesos per year. So that's Gosh, almost six thousand pesos. Which is one hundred and twenty dollars. Um, yeah, about one hundred twenty US. Um, and then our most expensive plan, which we call complete, um, is about three hundred US or fifteen thousand pesos. Um, and regularly, we have promos going on where you can get discounts if you pay in full, uh, as opposed to paying quarterly, etc. Um, so yeah, so between uh, the hundred twenty dollars and the three hundred US dollar pricing, there's about five products that they can choose from. Obviously, different inclusions, but we always say if it's the client paying or it's the company paying, like get the proper one. Which is you know, sure, it's a little bit on the high side, but when you look at what you get, hundred thousand health. 200,000 life, all the other perks. And when you get to a realization that, you know, especially here's the thing, you cited Filipino staffing, right? There is no, I have not met anybody who owns a Philippine company or Philippine entrepreneur who, when you ask if they would help their employees, would say no, right? It's just a, it's just a Filipino thing. You can't, you can't say no. It's, it's our culture. And so when you ask them, is this something you would be willing to buy for them? It puts them in a position to rethink why they haven't been buying benefits, right? Because it's not that expensive if you're a company. And so even when they're not really interested in getting all care, it poses a question of how much do you care for your employees that you wouldn't, you know, spew out between $120 to $300 a year. Um, and so, so especially for foreign clients, like when they hear, because we've had some clients where, We've coordinated with the U.S. Uh, employer directly, um, and when they hear that it's three hundred a year, we, we usually get this response: yeah. "Are you sure it's yeah. a year or it's a month? Because mine's yeah, a yeah, month." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, look, I don't know any employer that 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 would really hesitate. Um, yeah, I, I honestly really don't, and you know, I think it's just it's just an awareness thing, you know. That that don't, and also the employer. Yeah. I mean, we say employer, but it's whoever's. It could even be a line manager. It, it just—it's not sort of in their yeah. awareness, you know. And the worker does the work, and it's—you might ask how the family is, how the dog is every now and then. But all—all all of this sort of employment law and employment norms 
you know, they don't go into it necessarily all the time. So it's it's kind of building that awareness and, and sort of showing them that, that health insurance really should be kind of a, a norm. And, and also now it's actually not that difficult to get because, you know, before there were a lot of hurdles and restrictions and compliance, but, but now you can just go and get it. So there's, there's a lot of incentive to just, to just get it done. Yep. Cindy, super exciting conversation. I really enjoyed that and, and, uh, uh, really excited for the for the progress of all care over this year. And if anyone wants to get in touch, and of course, if they want to learn about all care coverage, how can they do that? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, if you want to know more, shoot me out an email at Cindy at AllCare.io, or you know, you can just visit our website AllCare.io, um, and uh, you know, there's a chat box there. Chat, chat box there. Send us a message, and we'll be happy to assist. That was Cindy Burdett. She is the CEO and founder of allcare.io. If you want to get in touch with Cindy or know any more about this podcast, go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash podcast. And as always, if you want to email us, just send us an email to ask at outsourceaccelerator.com. See you next time.